opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We come to you with thanksgiving. We come to you offering of ourselves the best that we have to give, Father. And we thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So praise the Lord. Little Shannon. If you want to go get that, you can, okay? You got about an hour. Did you still want to? If you feel that you need to, you can, okay? All right, honey. Okay. So anyway, um, so what we I thought we'd do today was we'll have a spiritual warfare Q&A, okay? So then that way we can have questions. I usually provide the questions because I'll tell people, you know, write down some questions and they'll say, uh, how old are you? <laughs> No, that ain't got nothing to do with the devil. Where you live? Are you kin to... No. So I got the questions, right? But feel free, if you do have something you want to ask, jot it down. And I'll see if we have time at the end for a little freedom. But I try to think of the most frequently asked questions. Y'all know how y'all do. They'll sit up there and try to act like you ain't never thought. Um, what can I ask you? <laughs> Come on, now. Give me a break. Anyway, anywho. Right, 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 right. So anyway, or what time is lunch? (laughs) Wake me up when lunch is on. Always something, something. All right, but anyway, that's that's uh, what we're gonna do today. So the first question, and this is one that people uh, always ask. You know, when we pray here, we make sure that you are fully equipped in the baptism and praying in tongues is part of your spiritual equipment. But many times, people who are new to the things that have to pertain to warfare and speaking will ask this question: Is do I have to pray binding and loosing, or can I just ask God for what I want got me they want to say do I have to bind it do I have to pray like do I have to have to have to well it depends on what you want out of your prayer (laughs) amen in uh, Matthew 16 if you'll turn there and I always give you scripture for your for your validation in Matthew 16 starting in verse I say 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And all all born again experiences start out with a revelation of Jesus Christ as he really is alive and living. Not still on the cross, not in the grave, but raised up alive and living. The Bible says you must believe that God raised him from the dead before you can be saved. Other than that you might as well just pray to Buddha or somebody else is dead. You got me? He is the only living God. That's why demons tremble at the sound of his name because he's alive and they sense it. That's why you don't get in trouble for praying in the name of Buddha, Muhammad, or chanting or anything. Everybody will chant with you. But the minute you mention the name above all names, he answers and there's a response. So he's alive and that's the biggest problem people have with him. He is raised from the dead. So Jesus must be alive and living in your understanding of him in order for your revelation of him to be complete. 
You serve a living God who can hear you. The other gods are wood and stone. They cannot see, hear, or speak. You serve a living God. And that's what makes demons tremble because they want us to believe in something that's dead, wood, and stone. Not me. And so you must believe that God raised him from the dead and he was raised up with all power and has all power now. And he says that that, uh, the Father has to reveal Christ as alive to you. This is an invitation. Your salvation, even though you may have asked Jesus into your heart, you were invited to ask him. Man. It is. The Father must invite you to life with the Son. How many of you have been watching the Duggars recently? You see how involved the Father is in their relationships? Well, our Heavenly Father is even more so. And when we're invited to life with Christ, we're invited to him as Savior, Healer, but also the Groom and we are the Bride. So the father brings us to Christ as a father would bring a bride to a suitor or a bride to somebody she's getting engaged to in order for us to have a covenant with him. The relationship idea has to be right. It's not a carnal marriage like what we have here where you pull a gun on somebody or stick your lips out enough and okay I'll marry you. It ain't like that. Why don't we just have a sila right there? For those of you who were thinking that's the normal way, it ain't. But the the father seeks out a worthy bride for the son. Somebody who is willing to repent, turn away from her wicked ways, and then you're brought into covenant relationship. The Father introduces you to the Son, and you have a covenant relationship agreement with Him. That you will serve Him only, you will love Him only, you will put Him first. All of those things you give to Christ. And so Peter had received that kind of revelation from God the Father about who Jesus was and he was one of the few who had received that so Jesus said you're blessed Simon and not only that but it's this relationship upon which I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you because you have a groom who is looking out for you protecting you loving you helping you giving you the gun giving you the sword giving you whatever you need to defeat this enemy that's come against you so he's your healer your savior your protector Everything you need you come to him for. And the only analogous uh, relationship could be a family where there's a father looking out for the whole family and a son to whom you are betrothed. And that's the basis upon which the church is built. Upon that strong covenant. uh, Everlasting covenant that can never be broken. And God doesn't want to break it ever. And so he says when you understand me in that way. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. You know when I was married I looked to my husband for everything. He didn't do everything. You know, he had a list of people like, well, that's what I paid him for. That's what I paid him for. That's what I paid him for. And he go back to watching the TV. But I looked to him for everything. 
you got me i mean i shake his tree first before i die to shake nobody else's tree you got me i look to him for everything you got me for wisdom for guidance plastic Ben Franklin, Amen. Uh, all them brothers, you got me, because that's what a marriage is. It's not you marry somebody and say I don't need nobody and go take your job on this is my money. I'm gonna do it. If that's all it means to you, stay by yourself. But a covenant means that that person will undertake in your weakness they are strong for you. Uh In your weakness they are strong for you. And they fight for you and they provide the weapons for you when you have to fight for yourself. You got me? They provide the weapons. And that's what he's provided here. And he says, this revelation that you have, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because you know you can come to me for everything. And you know that I will provide it. And you know that I have mighty weapons. I have all power in my hands. You got me? And so when you come to him, you don't have to go anyplace else. Because he's got everything for you. And he says here in verse 19, I will give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, I back you up in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I back you up in heaven. So this is the true meaning of husband-wife relationship. Whatever you do, he backs you up. You got me? He stands with you in this because you have a covenant and he's already given you permission to do these things and to be successful in them. Got me? My husband never told me I couldn't do certain things if, if they were needed. But if he decided it was, it was you know, Triple A's job, I call Triple A. You know what I'm saying? And he couldn't do it all himself physically. But he made provision for me to be able to have those needs met. You understand me? That's what a husband does for a wife. And so when that provision is made, then you know that you can depend on him and you don't have to go anywhere else else now this business of binding and loosing well we lose stuff anyway we've been loosing the devil on our lives with our words and our desires forever so you've got binding and loosing ability already but you've never used it for the kingdom to be released into your life so he says now you can release my kingdom into your life instead of just bad stuff all the time you can have the bad stuff erased removed and supplant it with good things in your life you can have a prosperous job now you can have a better home now you can get the necessary things done for your education now if you will release my word and faith and confidence in my word and make that devil leave you alone you got me so now you can do it with my kingdom authority instead of just releasing everything negative in your life now you can bind that negative stuff up and you can release what's good in your life so I ask you (laughs) as Mr. Samuel L. Jackson would say (laughs) what's in your wallet (laughs) right no but you know what I'm saying what do you want to do do you want to bind and loose or you want to just keep begging God for something he's already given you 
Huh? You can use your authority to release into your life. One of the translations says whatever you allow is allowed and whatever you disallow is disallowed as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. So now you don't have to be just a victim depending upon whatever happens in your life to happen. You can arrange things in your life so that only good comes toward you all the days of your life. So you keep the devil out of it. You tell him I bind you, I bust you upside your head, I hit you again. You got me? And you take authority over him. You make him stop. You make him leave you alone. Because you can do it now. Because of who you're, whose you are and who you serve. You got me? And so that's therein is the difference. Once you're empowered, you almost can't keep from doing these things. We do them by unction. And sometimes if, if, if sickness is coming upon you, you can, you'll get mad at it and say, get off of me in Jesus. Now I'm not receiving. I'm getting up out of this bed. Devil, you can't keep me here any longer. So you almost can't, can't stop yourself from doing these things. So, but if you get yourself built up in your spirit and you get an understanding of how to release good in your life and not release anything you don't want to have. That's why when people, sometimes when people come up for prayer, we'll say, well, you are healed. And from this point on, you never let the words come to you that say you're sick. You don't receive it anymore. So we know we receive or not receive things with our words. So you bind up words that would come out of your mouth that would speak to what you see in the natural. Huh? You do that because you don't want it to remain in your life. You know it has to leave your life. And you know it will leave in your life if you don't assist it in staying. So we're those people that have authority over all the works of darkness. In Revelation 118 Jesus says I have the keys of death and hell. And so when when we... uh, use our authority for the kingdom death is bound and hell is bound you got me you start speaking words of life and see if people don't get up off the bed i mean even the sickest ones will get up you got me and so uh, you know once the the words of life you start releasing life into people thanking god bless the lord oh my soul i will not forget your benefits you heal all my diseases thank you lord for healing me right now in the name of jesus and you just prophesy to these situations you just speak his word into them because that word is with power folks his word abides forever the devil's word is only temporary because he's a temporary person and he's a temp okay you know how temps are they don't get no benefits and you know they ain't gonna be here for a while amen all right question number two so we done with number one so what do you want to do i ask you again <laughs> what's in your portfolio of things you want to do you want to take authority over devil you want to stop his wicked works just think you've been taking junk off of him all your life and now's your chance to step up to the plate and bust his head in amen 
in the book of Joshua one of the first things that Joshua did when they were defeated they get these mighty kings and, and you know when, when they were uh, uh, you know a couple days ago everybody was scared when that king's name was oh Sennacherib's on his way over oh the Assyrian king's on his way ah everybody trembled and then when Israel defeated him the first thing Joshua had had all them little boys come and stick their foot right on his neck you got me this is the guy that was up here you were scared of him yesterday put your foot on his neck now you can see he's nothing amen and that's what you do when you bind the devil you put your foot on his neck he's no more same thing with cancer the same thing with heart disease and all this other stuff you know everything's bad for you nowadays amen so we have to take authority over this so we can live alright question number two are there some devils that I cannot bind well do you like any of them (laughs) the answer of course is no now there are some people that find these obscure scriptures that will tell you say that I know they had this this teaching about Leviathan and there's a scripture that talks about you can't hold him well Leviathan really was a sea creature and I don't know that anybody had ever seen him really now there are some creatures that that you know uh, live so deep in the depths of the oceans people never see them but this was something that God had a discussion with Job about and he was giving that as an analogy because Job had shot his mouth off and was talking like he was God and so God had to put him in his place and he asked him can you bind Leviathan or can you can you stop him and and of course you can't in the natural and human and so but we're not even talking about natural animals we're talking about spiritual forces and so the Jesus said that I give you power over all the power of the enemy there is no power of the enemy that we don't have authority over and that's in Matthew 28 and what Jesus expected them to do was shout for joy and go use it you got me in fact I think they were so excited when he told them what what he wanted them to do they were running on their way and he told them to wait remember tarry in Jerusalem till you be clothed with power from on high that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit the initial evidence is speaking in other tongues and so and that is the evidence that you need in order to edify your spirit so that you can be empowered with the power and step into the realm of the spirit when the old testament priest would put on his garments he was fully empowered to do all of the functions of his priesthood the word when Jesus said tarry in Jerusalem wait till you endued with power that word endue means to be clothed amen it's the outward adornment of the spirit of God that not only uh, uh, empowers you to do all the works cast out devils to heal the sick to preach the gospel with power with signs following not just dead word but with signs following and so it gives you the power and the authority to do that but also it puts you further into the mind of Christ and into a different different realm mentally for yourself 
When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit work with regularity in your life. You got me? That's your your priesthood robes include all of the power and gifts that you need to carry out the works of God. So you're not ever without appropriate uh, uh, empowerment to do what God tells you to do what he's called you to do I know a lot of times people will think I thought this when I first started preaching I would say oh God suppose somebody comes in and and they need this and they need that and I don't know how to do it and he said that won't happen to you I said oh okay and I thought well maybe he sends the hard cases down the street and he said no anybody I send to you I empower you you just pay attention to what I'm telling you you know get out of your fear he said I didn't send you here to fail I sent you here to succeed to help people you know number one God wouldn't do that to somebody with a need why would they send them to somebody who can't now it's not that people don't go People go to people sometimes that can't help them. But God didn't send them there. They just went. They wasn't sent. Oh, don't get scared. I ain't talking about y'all. Everybody say, what did he, did he send me? I don't know. What did he send me? Didn't I? I ain't talking about y'all. But there are a lot of people that do. You got me? And if you're thinking about going somewhere on your own, you just wait till he opens the door and sends you. You got me? Matthew twenty eight eighteen. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. And you go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you and I am with you always. Even unto the end of the world. Now that's a that's a, a a marriage terminology. A lot of these terminologies that Jesus uses, it's in the context of covenant, and in the closest thing we have to relate to it is a marriage. That's why the devil's after perverting marriage and destroying marriage, because he hates that. He hates that love. He hates that commitment. He hates everything about it. And so we we have to understand that he is with us always even unto the evil never drop us he will never divorce us he will never leave us on the side of the road he will never abandon us and go chasing after somebody else i'm not gonna park there i'm just keep reading my bible huh when you with jesus you ain't gonna wind up on snapped okay Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. In Luke ten nineteen, behold, and this he says it in this context. He says, "Listen, y'all talking about say you getting excited because you cast out a devil. Stop it." He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He don't have no power. Don't get excited about doing something with somebody that don't have no power. He says, and I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power. All the power of the enemy. You got it? You can bind any devil you want. You can cast out any devil that gives you trouble. Huh? Just take authority over them. 
So there is no devil that you can't bind. You have authority over all the power <clears throat> of the enemy. Question number three. Is it necessary to fast before I cast out devils? Is it necessary to fast before I cast out devils? Well let me put it this way. It's good to obey the Holy Spirit. And if that's part of your preparation for ministry or for going to the supermarket or for taking care of your kids from day to day. You got me? I mean wherever you might meet a devil. You know you know, we keep this up and we won't be eating nothing. You know. Because they're everywhere. In Mark chapter 9, I'll tell you where people get that. I don't know if it's an assumption. I think it is wisdom sometimes. But if it's necessary, like I say, the Holy Spirit will enlighten you. The Holy Spirit will prepare you for ministry. In uh, Mark 9, verse... Okay, Jesus had just cast this devil out of his kid and the disciples couldn't do it. And to be honest with you, they were more or less pushed into this situation. Because the Bible says Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He hadn't even called the meeting. But he had released them prior to go and to preach the gospel of the kingdom cast out devils etc etc so we don't know if this was an unauthorized Jesus meeting if this was a provocation you know like the devil will do oh you go to that church what y'all learn over there oh you learn how to cast out devils well cast that one out of him then if y'all learn so much you got me you can get into these things all kinds of ways but what it looks like here they were attempting for whatever reason to cast the devil out of this child and could not do it. So Jesus comes down and this kid's in the fire foaming at the mouth and the disciples are looking at one another scared. Probably trying to get it go to Starbucks or something. And <laughs> It's time for a break. You know, let's, let's have another cup of coffee here. So Jesus comes down in verse 25. When he saw that the people came running together he rebuked the foul spirit saying to him you dumb and deaf spirit I command you come out of him and don't go into him anymore. See that's full authority folks. And when you when you get somebody delivered you need to add into your faith that they will not return anymore. And don't keep looking to see what they look like. That's always unbelief. You got me? Tell the devil he can't go back. You know devil. You know I don't let you do that. So you better stop it. And so he told him enter him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he you know kind of you know people who have seizures they go to sleep or something. He fell off as though he were dead. And people were saying he died. Jesus killed him. But Jesus took him up by the hand and lifted it up and he arose. And when he was come to the house his disciples asked him privately. This is very important to discipleship. 
You'll learn if you can get close enough to the teacher to ask them privately the things you don't understand. We have systems now in play where people don't even know the people that they're preaching to. How on earth can you disciple people if they can never ask you a question? They can never get deeper understanding. Granted the multitudes of people will just take what's fed and use it or don't use it. But there are people that God is grooming that really want to work for God. And when you find those people provision has to be made for them to get greater understanding. And so he says here, I charge you, come out of him, don't go anymore. So the disciples asked him, why could we not cast him out? And he said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. What kind? So that's answered over in... I think it's Matthew 17. I hope I got the right one. I watch it will be the one I didn't write now. But there's uh, in the middle column if you have that. It will tell you what the other reference is. So let's go to Matthew uh, 17 and verse 29. See if that's where it is. That's why they have three accounts and four accounts of of. <clears throat> All of these things. Matthew 17. Oh, I don't have a 29 here. Mm -mm, This is the one the boy possessed with the devil. Maybe it's 17. Yeah. He in Matthew seventeen verse seventeen and he says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring me that kid. You got me? So the disciples are being rebuked, and he rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured for that an hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, Why couldn't we cast him out? He said, Because your unbelief. So you fast to get rid of unbelief. Don't go ask the devil what his name is and then go home and turn your plate down and think he's going to stay there till you come back and cast him out. It don't work like that. Fasting is God's cure for our unbelief. Why? Fasting afflicts your soul so that your soul isn't engaged in life. Got me? Your spirit then becomes freer to engage itself in your life and your spirit can begin to minister to you and can begin to feed strength into you so that if you are studying say you're getting ready to go out and you're you're studying your word for the day oftentimes God will enlighten something to you that you will begin to grab faith for because you will need it for what type of day he's providing for you to engage in and so fasting afflicts your soul and it also starves your flesh so that your flesh isn't able to crave the things that it would normally crave you got me for married people a fast should be done with with mutual consent the bible says because fasting does uh 
include not only abstaining for, from food but sexual activity from movies from watching television this is a time to afflict your soul so that your spirit can get the benefit of your soul not craving more to Kardashians today Amen. you know Lamar done left Chloe she done left him okay so let's move on he's on now Y'all done had the funeral for that marriage long enough. And Rob still fat. Okay, if anybody wanted to Rob still, I ain't lost no weight yet. Mm-hmm. So when you afflict your soul, you're not curious about what the world's doing. Got me? You've left that place. And you've moved on to a sanctuary where God can feed your spirit the things that you and put you in the renewed mind of Christ. Now what happens when you edify your spirit is you uh, two of the ways you edify your spirit. Number one feeding on the word of God and number two praying in the Holy Ghost that builds up your most holy faith. So if sometimes you'll feel led by the Spirit to pray in the Holy Ghost a little bit extra on your way somewhere or something like that. And then when you get there you find a challenge, you know, a spiritual challenge there. And you'll be able to meet that challenge because you're built up in God. Your spirit is more sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So you will find the gifts of the Spirit will operate freely when you're fasting. You prophesy more easily. You're kind of like in a zone. You know. <clears throat> so your spirit's more sensitive to the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are necessary to cast out devils. Question number four. How do I know if somebody needs a devil cast out? Huh? <laughs> well... Don't always be snooping in your mother-in-law. See, the discernment and suspicion are two different things. You will never get God's answer through suspecting people. You know what I mean? Somebody that rubs you the wrong way all the time and then they always got a this spirit or a that spirit. That's just wrong, y'all. That ain't right. Don't be pinning devils on them because they keep rubbing you the wrong way. Amen. You got to learn how. Them people, you got to learn how to love them. You can't, don't cast nothing out of nobody you don't like because you get in the flesh with it every time. Huh? <laughs> what was my question anyway? Oh, how will you know? You know by the Holy Spirit. They're revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. If he doesn't operate through you to discern, ain't none of your business what's going on with them. Let them keep whatever they got because it ain't your business. God gives gives equipment to laborers, not snoops. Okay. He reveals secrets to faithful people, not gossips. You got me? So if if there's a spirit in operation in somebody's life, it may or may not be time for them to be delivered. Did you know that there are many different ways for God to deliver people of demon activity? Hey, you can be delivered by meditating on the word. 
that's how we get healed you get rid of infirmity you get rid of cancer you get rid of tumors you get rid of seizures you get rid of all kind of stuff through renewing your mind to convert your soul to think like a healed person again the only thing that's happened to you with sickness is you got convinced by what you saw that that was what you had when you get in the word you convince yourself back again that you're healed what were you like before this thing started creeping up on you You start convincing yourself through the word of God that you are healed the difference between not ever having had sickness and having an attack on your body and getting it with the word is that affliction won't come on you twice when you get it with the word if you never had it before you were just biding your time until it might show up you understand what I'm saying but after the word kicks it out of your your body and your soul is converted that affliction won't come up on you again it will not come up on you again it just won't do it it has no legal right to why your soul has been converted the devil can't convince you to accept that junk from him anymore so you stay with it until your mind gets to the point where it doesn't accept you know how sometimes you you, you know you you'll feel something or you feel like something and then your mind will start oh, wonder uh, 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 you're not done yet you get that wondering out of you wonder what it could be wonder what it, uh, uh, you get that wondering out of you and you deliver yourself from them devils through the word of God you receive Christ <clears throat> but you will know by the gifts of the spirit if somebody has a, a devil and, and sometimes they don't manifest so sometimes there are no outward signs of what's going on I have had people come in and look as normal as me as me and you and you know you go by them and they start to hiss at you you know like I'm a girl you a girl why you what was that noise <laughs> I ain't heard that in a lot of years. You understand what I'm saying? In life? Hey, where'd that come from? And so that's that's sometimes your your tip off. The Holy Spirit showing you, you know, this one could need a little work before the day is over. And so, you know, you just continue to work on God, wait on God for that open door. You know. So anyway, all right. Question number five: Can Christians have demons? You can have demons, devils, imps. Now obedient Christians, and I'm not talking about people who never do anything wrong. There are no such people. Okay, so get that out your mind. I'm talking about the the goof ups like me and you and they're humble enough to repent when they find themselves goofing up. That's what I mean by obedient see you're obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit and when you miss that when you miss the mark you repent that's obedience you use your covenant that God has with you so obedient Christians are behind what we call a bloodline so if you stay behind that then the devil can't get you there you can stay on your side of the line and say hey you didn't get me this time I'm free (laughs) dirty devil they're in the house of safety the blood has always provided that even the blood of bulls and goats 
Remember that? The death angel passed over that house because they were obedient in striking the blood over the doorposts. You got to be obedient to God's details. You got me? And so when there was, and then they were, anybody that came in that house was safe. That's the beauty of God's covenant. He wants to save everybody. He doesn't want to leave anybody out. And so they had a lot of people. The Bible says that not everybody who came through the the Red Sea came uh, by Moses. There were some people that came that weren't a part of that congregation. Well, if you watch those old movies back in the old Cecil B. DeMille movies of uh, biblical movies, Ten Commandments, you know, all the uh, the the Egyptians. There were some Egyptians, you know, Edward G. Robinson. He was always a bad guy. I knew he's Egyptian. He was over there in the he was over there in the uh, the wilderness with him waiting to go over. Uh, you know, anybody who's willing to get into salvation and repent is eligible. But in in that there was a household of safety for people, and I believe you can create that anywhere you are. You can create a household of safety and a haven for people where they can come in and abide because you have the keys. Got me? You use your keys and you let people into the household of safety because it's not God's will that they perish but that they come to repentance and a knowledge of the truth. And so we can provide that safety for them and when we need to we can cast devils out of them if they are oppressed or they're weak or they're fearful. Sometimes people, uh, demons get into people's mind and in their lives through fear. It's unresolved fear that they never bring up to, so, to where God can help them to deal with it. And so yeah Christians can. It's, it's, but they can as easily as they get them get rid of them. You got me? And just walk in obedience to God. <clears throat> Satan must have legal right to you. Either through your own giving yourself over to him. What's his name? Lester Summerall had a situation with a lady. And he was in a in a church, and uh, God, she had come up. I think she came up for prayer, and God told him that this woman, she was, uh, uh, she had a spirit of lust that tormented her constantly. She was a married lady, a middle aged woman in the church, and she said this. Uh, she told him that she had uh, afterwards, after he had taken authority over the devil and he told her he said God showed me that you went into some pornography houses and watched movies there and she said yeah I did and he said you did it because the devil told you that that was necessary so that you could teach proper sex education see sometimes dormant devils will get you into situations and start to feed you if you never address them you know when they're small they get you into the bee and this thing tormented her day and night uh, she and her husband were having difficulties in their marriage because of them and she was going around cruising like looking for, for men to pick up it's a church lady and so he cast that devil out of her and he told her he said you need to renounce the works of Satan and never enter into those places anymore you got me so you get off over on his turf and he'll mess your head up, mess your life up. You got me? <clears throat> you have to be careful of that stuff. Um, 
who is it Norval Hayes remember that that kid he said that this kid was a Christian I think his parents were in the ministry or something like that and he went away to college and got stupid with a bunch of kids you know when you're a Christian you're a leader you don't follow anybody I don't care where you go you go to college and you stay a leader you don't disconnect from saints and people that have held you up and all that kind of stuff and let people wear you down they'll make you ashamed of being a Christian you can be in a Christian college and they'll make you ashamed of being a Christian ashamed of your prayer life ashamed of everything and this kid got involved with some stupidity and he went streaking across the campus and by the time he got finished he got like two steps of his streak done and the devils overtook him and he lost his mind the next thing you knew he was in a mental institution didn't know who he was totally confused and he stayed like that for a while they tried to give him medication didn't help nothing and so they called Norval Hayes and he went and he said he prayed for that kid for four hours four hours straight do I have to no you don't have to somebody who knows God will deliver has to do that if you're asking do I have to you ain't the one you ain't the one I mean you might be the one for something else but you ain't the one for that because when God tells you to go you go and you stay as long as it takes And he said he talked to that devil and, and Norval said he, he said people say well how do you do that? He said well I sit down and I get a cup of water. If I need to drink water I drink water. If I need to get a more comfortable chair I get a more comfortable chair. He said but I stay there until they get delivered. And they said about after about six hours this kid the devil had him stand up and he stood on one foot and foam started spewing out of his mouth and he stayed like that for a while but when he was done he was in his right mind he was normal and he committed himself to the Lord never to get stupid again there are some things the devil will tempt you to do you will almost never get back to where you were before I've seen it happen to people. You know, they think, oh, you know, it's God, God's not, he doesn't care, he's not concerned, it's not that bad. When you start telling yourself it's not that bad, you're already on the wrong road. Already on the wrong road. Ma'am? So, yeah, you can. Then, yeah, you got to cross yourself. You got to cross over out of safety, over in the stupidity. And the devil's always prodding children of God to get over on the wrong side of the line. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's blatant. You know, this business with questioning Christian leaders all the time about homosexuality. It's just a trap of the devil to get them to compromise so they lose. The devil's already got them people that's questioning you. He wants you to lose. Lose your credibility, lose your congregation, lose your stature, lose everything. So if he can get you to compromise, he'll get you to lose. People say things like, Well, well that's not I don't really uh that's not the focus of my ministry. Really? The devil's always the focus of every Christian's ministry. Are you kidding me? Where would you get your ministry from? 
See, it's good to stay before God and find out what your assignment is. You don't know your assignment, don't go do nothing. Just keep blessing saints and, you know, passing out tracts and, you know, do what you do. But let's let's understand our assignment. We're to go into all the world, cast out devils, preaching the gospel, deliverance to the captives. Well, the Bible's not just specific. You know, Jesus didn't say uh, he never dealt with homosexuals. He did. Huh? He dealt with all devils. Huh? He did. That's right. Okay, question number six. Is my child's rebellion a devil? Well, you tell me. <laughs> Your children are in the household of safety, but you must teach them the ways of God. If you're not teaching them the word and and correcting them according to the word and teaching them God's ways, they're going to be open, and and especially if they rebel and, and don't submit to authority. That's kind of the worst thing you can do is release them into the world and they don't submit to authority. Um, and there are different ways to get your child to understand authority and the benefits of authority. Sometimes <clears throat> they'll have a teacher that they admire and they'll they'll be able to train themselves to have a kindly attitude toward authority in that way. I would say this if I were a Christian parent if you have conflict over your child with somebody else in authority don't let the child see it. Don't let them see you challenge authority because these things can be worked out through people on on an equal level but you don't allow your child to see you rebel against authority in front of them. And so that that line can never be crossed by somebody in authority nor do you um, discredit authority in front of your children. You got me? Because you're all on the same team. So we need to learn to uphold one another. I think one of the worst things that I see has happened to children. Is is sometimes when there's one parent. That one parent thinks that they don't have to be in submission to anybody. Because I think one of the things a marriage teaches you. Is how to submit. You, you're not the final word all the time. And you can't have your way all the time. And so that is worked out in real situations. It's worked out through marriage partnership and it's worked out through the marriage covenant and sometimes the child never sees the adult parent submitting to anybody and they don't have a uh, an example of how that works in life but there are other things if you will pray God will bring people number one God you can talk to as the father and the authority and tell your child if your child is getting to the point they have better ideas than you you tell them to go pray well if you don't want to listen to me you pray about it and tell me what God told you you understand and allow that that process that transfer of authority so that they won't be rebellious because rebellion is the same as witchcraft your child will be on drugs your child will be robbing somebody it all falls hand in hand you got me and so you want to keep your children understanding submission even to their own hurt God's not going if you teaching them right submission he's not going to let people take advantage of them walk all over them I mean there's worse things in the world there's like orange jumpsuits 
That's for people that don't want nobody walking all over them. You got me? That's what that's for. So they need some structure. They need somebody to tell them in a mean way. You don't do nothing unless I tell you you can do it. Go sit down over there. You got me? They tell them that in prison. But they learn. Their life is cut short. If they don't honor father and mother by being submissive to their authority. They talk back. Roll their eyes. Throw a tantrum. All that kind of stuff. That spirit must be broken in them. That rebellion must be broken in them. Amen. And so we have to understand this. And if you will allow your child to submit. They will not have devils oppressing them. Submission to authority is the best way to stay spiritually secure. They have what what the Bible sometimes refers to as a covering over their minds. You got me? They have angelic power over their heads because they are submitted properly to the authority in their lives. And so that submission is a protection. It's definitely a protection. And so teach them submission to authority, not rebellion. If they have a disagreement with somebody older than they are, teach them how to entreat that person. You know what entreaty is? It means to beg them the opportunity to speak to them in that issue. Not rebuking somebody who's older than they are. That's just wrong. It don't even look right. It's so wrong. And so we need to to teach that, you know, and, and not encourage them to step over that line. <clears throat> Children may be influenced to step over that line. There's peer pressure everywhere. You know, now your peers are on Facebook, they're on television, they're everywhere. So we have to make sure that we don't cross a line that God has set up for us as a protection and a safety for us. And so if your child stays submitted to proper authority and is not uh, uh, rebellious or, or any of that kind, and that the parents are wise and keep their children accountable to them. You know, if uh, if you're a parent who's at work or something like that, you know, make sure your child calls you on their cell phone or, you know, something like that to check in with you. Don't give them the kind of freedom that they don't need. Always teach them accountability. Mm-hmm. They'll give freedom soon enough, you know, too much of it sometimes, too soon. All right, question number seven. What is the spirit of Jezebel <laughs> and what does it do? and that's in our prayer manual and some of you pray that prayer briefly speaking Jezebel was married to Ahab and uh, but you need to understand that that spirit operates as a trinity it is not a lone spirit in fact most spirits operate either in packs groups triads uh, um, gangs and so very few spirits operate alone. And so, you know, I've, I've seen this deception in the church where everything's blamed. Because there's a blaming of the woman that, that's underneath it all the time. That people like to do that. You know, they'll say, oh, that causes trouble in the church. Are you kidding me? You mean all the pastors are gay? Huh? 
Because a man who's operating in his rightful authority as a pastor in a church will not allow this spirit to get into control of things. Hmm? And that's why when you bind Jezebel, you bind her two false husbands, Ahab and Pharaoh. Because as a trinity, they operate to operate through males and females. There's no such thing as a female-led rebellion against God. The devil operated and he operates through all flesh. And so you have to make sure if you're going to be effective against the spirit, you have to... uh, Dis- disable the trinity and address all three of these spirits the same they all do witchcraft amen pharaoh had magicians amen that he that operated and sorcerers and they were able to give prophecies they were able to interpret dreams they were able to interpret visions they wielded quite a bit of of power especially over leadership and so these spirits like to lead and they like to manipulate leaders and so they operate as a trinity if you just chase one spirit down you've already been deceived by the devil to think that that's the only thing that's operating there so the best way to understand spiritual forces is number one the word of God you go to the word of God to validate what you see the spirit of Jezebel often manipulates males either sexually or through helping them as a false wife got me and so amen the the um, one of the the traits of Jezebel is that she helps God all the time. So very often in church situations, you'll find that person who just can't sit down, has to be involved in everything, has to be have their hands in everything, you know that kind of thing. And so there are some people who are excellent workers who who are are willing to do that, but look at the influence they try to have over the leader. If they try to get in there and make decisions for the leader, if they try to get under the leader's skin and, and you know be their friend and all that kind of stuff, that's stepping over the line. And so any true servant of God waits on their assignment. Um, I have found that most people aren't that helpful. Most normal people. <laughs> what time I got to be there? That's that's the average Christian. Got me. When they come up too too helpful, you just look. Wait a minute. Wait. You go to this church? Where'd you come from? Huh? <laughs> but in the prayer manual, you'll find a thorough discussion of this spirit. But you need to understand that she does not operate alone. And she'll take the forefront and hide the husbands behind her. You've seen, and I'll tell you how that spirit works. You'll see many times men who don't do what they're supposed to do, they'll push the woman ahead to do that thing. Amen. Because the man's controlling it all the time. He's a bigger witch than she is, if you ask me, but we ain't going to go there. <laughs> But thank you. But you'll see in in um, 
in mafia families and these people understand covenant very strongly you'll see that when uh, a mafia leader is hiding from somebody like if there's a contract on him or something they always send the woman to the door they'll send the grandmother before they'll send the wife you understand me they always send the woman to the door to answer the door because they have a respect for women in that way they don't harm their women or each other's women that's a like a low thing for them to do but a man typically is hiding that's a typical Jezebel Pharaoh manipulation where he's an overbearing strong man and he just pushes her out there into the forefront to do the things that he does not want to do the other end of it is that women who are not patient to allow the man to step up and are not prayerful will sometimes push him out of the way and push themselves up to the front to to be the one in front now you see this you see this in churches you see this in churches sometimes you see a lot of men pastors now are ordaining their wives because they feel that that's the way to pacify them to get them to be satisfied or happy or whatever you don't hand out uh, a title from a fivefold that only God can give on somebody just to make them happy you understand that they must be called by God and it's good to have a presbytery to validate that person's call especially when there's somebody related to you I think that's a safeguard for all of us to make sure that 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 title rests on the right person so all right y'all understand that pretty good you get that straightened up nobody got offended I ain't talking about nobody here but you need to get a full understanding of these things because you it's it's like say like for instance if you're in a war and they declared war on Germany and Japan well if you don't know Japan's your enemy you go pal up with them and try to go fight the Germans with they buddy you know what I'm saying you can't go off half prepared and half 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 understanding of things is poor preparation so you want to be fully prepared and fully understand these things okay last question what is a strong man what is a strong man and how do I deal with that most strong man is anybody in charge of a fortress or a stronghold a strong man is always a lead spirit that keeps other lesser spirits under authority in Mark chapter 3 Jesus talked about him you want to spoil the house of the strong man <coughs> Mark uh, 3 27 no man can enter a strong man's house and steal his goods except he will first bind the strong man in other words if he's loose to fight you back you won't get the spoils of his house it's like you're going to go and, and burglarize somebody's property and the husband wakes up with a shotgun up your nose well you either got to tell him you the cable guy and you left your tools or you understand what I'm saying or run for your life because he was never bound and so what we have to do is take authority and the Holy Spirit will show you by revelation who the strong man is of a situation or a house typically fear and pride will hold in unclean spirits into a person's soul 
And so if you humble yourself, you've got pride off the throne. And then you can attack lesser spirits. Lying, deception, lust, envy, all of those will be housed and covered by a strong man. So they can wreck your life if you don't humble yourself by that. The other thing is fear. Fear is a strong man too. People are motivated by fear to do many things that are wrong. And so the Bible even says the fearful will be thrown into the lake of fire. So you want fear out of your life. God didn't give it to you. He gave you power, love, and a sound mind instead of fear. So your your life should be a powerful life and a sound life and not ruled by fear. Fear will house all kinds of unclean spirits, anxiety, depression. Sometimes fear will make people aggressive and act out and lash out. A lot of people's bad moods are fear. And so if they are ruled by fear then they can house all of these other lesser spirits. You'll know what's in operation because if you try to address the fear or tell some somebody, well don't be afraid. Oopsie. One devil leaving. Like mine. You understand me? And so they'll manifest that, that way sometimes. They'll speak right up. Sometimes uh, greed is something that, that gets loose on people as a strong man. Everything they'll do is, I need money. i got to have money. That's really greed. That's not need. Because if your needs won't let you rest, your needs are extraordinary. Everybody's got needs. And we can all go to bed at night and know something's going to show up in the morning. You know, I used to, I used to say stuff like, well, i got three sisters. You know, <laughs> if I didn't know nothing else, I know I can go over there and look funny and they'll say, well, come on, sit down and eat, girl. Or go in that closet and get something to wear you didn't have before. Uh-huh. So we all know needs can be satisfied and met. But if they hound you, it's greed. If you can't look at a new car without saying, ooh, I want to have one. Anytime you say, I want to have possessing covetousness, it's greed. Greed often comes with lack. Sometimes we just don't ever think we'll have enough. And we start to get greedy and hoard things. So you have to be careful. That's why God says give. It's to stop you from being a hoarder, basically. You know, just, you got enough, now you need to give some of that away. 2 Corinthians 10.4 tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we use spiritual weapons to combat and attack these things. The Bible also says that we need to fulfill our personal obedience in these things. Before we can avenge disobedience. So before you can go and try to cast a devil out of somebody or discern on somebody else, dig yourself. You know, just read your own mail. You know, get your own house clean. Because many times people try to step out in a false authority that's not an unctuous one from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have any substance or any juice to it, you know what I'm saying, to do anything. And and they're ineffective against these spirits and they'll be like the sons of Sceva. 
you know Peter I know Paul I know but where would you come from I don't know you so they got to know you uh, by the anointing so that they can they will bow when you take authority praise God alright y'all learned something today alright so we had the Q and the A <laughs> so we'll so we'll yeah spiritual knowledge can be just like that it can be second nature to you where you won't be afraid of anything you won't feel overly challenged by any spiritual thing that would come your way you don't have to be fearful you go within and you talk to God you pray in the Holy Ghost and the answer will come God will give you the answer because he wants you to be victorious in everything so praise God so we'll quit now if anybody needs prayer you come on up and I'll pray for you before we break and have our fellowship meal praise the Lord
for this wonderful time of fellowship we're going to have one with another in Jesus name amen praise God go over to the bookstore and look around you're going to have your snacks uh, your appetizers and you are also going to look at the Father's Day gifts amen we'll get the table set up whoever sets up set up again amen praise God